sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hello and welcome to a Football Friday. Live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel One. 59. It's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that's Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. I know the word football today might make you cringe after what we saw last night on a Thursday evening in Denver, Colorado. But I promise you one thing here. We will have some fun. We will build some excitement for the NFL week number five and the college football Saturday slate for week number six and even games on this Friday night. Because it was not pretty last night on a Thursday in Denver. In fact, it might have been one of the ugliest games you have ever seen. And if it takes you a little bit to ease into football on this Friday, well, you're in luck. Starting at noon Eastern time, playoff baseball is here. October baseball begins with a quadruple header, all four wildcard series, getting underway, starting in Cleveland between the Guardians and the Rays at noon Eastern time. So tons to get to here on this Football Friday, live on the morning after on SportsGrid. Again, one of the ugliest games you will ever see last night. So ugly, in fact, maybe it was beautiful or at least kind of exciting at the end. Indianapolis gets a win, 12-9 to in overtime, in a game that did not feature a single touchdown. The Colts win outright on the road in the Mile High City as a a three-and-a-half-point underdog. It's Indy's second win of the year. They are two, two, and one. Both wins this year for Indianapolis coming as an underdog. Surprise, surprise. In a game without a touchdown, the total that dropped to 41-and-a-half prior to kick still stays under. That was the 14th primetime game in the NFL this season in 2022. Now 10 of the 14 primetime games have gone under Indianapolis under in all five games by an average margin of more than 13 points per game in Denver under now in four of their five games also by an average margin of around 13 points per game the Colts remain the worst scoring offense in the National Football League now only averaging 13 points per game the Broncos are now the second worst scoring offense in the National Football League averaging 15 points per game 12 to 9 was the final. I am a man that loves Big Ten football, and Big Ten football was like a weekend in Vegas compared to what we saw last night on a Thursday night in Denver. And it came down to a couple of critical plays late in the football game. Of course, Nathaniel Hackett, who has made many questionable coaching decisions so far in his short tenure in Denver, will be questioned for his decision in overtime, under three minutes remaining, to go for it on fourth and one deep in Indianapolis territory instead of quick kicking a short field goal that would have tied the game at 12. I actually don't mind that decision by Nathaniel Hackett because at worst, you're going to lose the football game, sure, but if you go for the tie, at best you have the tie, at least if you go for it on fourth and one, you have the opportunity to win the football game, maybe run the football, like Richard Sherman said afterward. Flashbacks to what Russell Wilson did as a member of the Seattle Seahawks in a Super Bowl a couple of years ago because you trusted Russ to make the right decision. He didn't see a wide open K.J. Hamler. And when has Russ ever made a questionable throw down deep in his opponent's territory on the goal line in a situation when he probably should have just run the football? 
when you look at Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan last night, both quarterbacks going well over their passing yards prop, but neither throwing a touchdown, and they combined for four interceptions. It was ugly. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience. Here, the opening hour of a football Friday. I say football very gently here on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens. So, questionable decisions late in that football game. Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson deciding to go for it on fourth and one in overtime instead of kicking a short field goal that would have tied the game at 12 and probably ended in a tie, which would have been hysterical because it would have been Indy's second tie of the year through five games, capping off one of the ugliest football games you will ever see. The Colts, though, prevail as they get a stop. Stephon Gilmore, former Defensive Player of the Year in the NFL, making play after play late in that football game. And the Colts win outright as an underdog of three and a half points, 12 to nine. But I think the more questionable decision happened late in the fourth quarter. After the Broncos started running the football, finally, Melvin Gordon under his rushing yards prop, but they were getting a push up front. Russell Wilson, two minutes and 13 seconds left in the football game. Late in the fourth quarter, third and four on Indy's 13-yard line. After running the ball on seven of their 10 plays to get down there, they were up nine to six at that point. If they settle for, at worst, a field goal, you make an Indianapolis offense that looks stagnant try to drive the length of the field for a winning touchdown to beat you, not a field goal to send it to overtime. Russell Wilson throws an interception. It was terrible. As bad as it gets. You paid this man $245 million for that. For a 21 of 39 stat line and no touchdowns, sure he went over his passing yards prop, but it took him to overtime to do that. And he threw two interceptions? Things are really, really bad in Denver, Colorado right now, as expressed by Russell Wilson last night. So the Broncos are two and three straight up. The Colts are two, two and one straight up. Both of these teams are a part of 24 NFL organizations. 24 of the 32 NFL teams are at 500 or worse in the National Football League right now. That is 75% of the league. The Bills aren't. The Chiefs aren't. That's why they're up there in the AFC marketplace. The Denver Broncos moved back now to 17-1. to They were 13-1 to pregame. The Colts were 22-1 to pregame. $2 of movement in their favor. Mike Blewett joins the show for a lot of football conversation. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A football Friday. Live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 1. <clears throat> 59. I am Ben Stevens. When all hope seems lost in the world of football, allow Mike Blewett to bring you that hope back here on this Football Friday on the morning after. One of the hosts of Pro Football Today, each and every Sunday, live right here on the grid, setting up your weekend slate in the National Football League. Blewett, people need football. People need a better version of football than what we saw last night in the Mile High City between the Broncos and the Colts. Can you bring them that energy back into their lives? I can, and the one thing I'll say is the best thing about this Football Friday is that it's no longer Football Thursday. That was an abomination last night, so we get to move on. We get to talk about other fun games. As much as I love Matt Ryan, 
You can see the BC hat right over here. <laughs> tough scenes for my guy. I don't know who could play quarterback well with that offensive line, but 11 fumbles through five games. I didn't even know that was really possible, but here we are. Last night, Matt Ryan sacked six times as well. Matt Ryan also leads the league in sacks that look like they are going to end his career. None of his them life. seem fun for the veteran quarterback. It is very, very tough. Russ sacked four times on the other side, and Russell Wilson, 21 of 39, 274 yards, not a single touchdown. Has only thrown four touchdowns now through five games and two interceptions. Blew it. No touchdowns last night. No touchdowns, of course, then from either quarterback but they combined for four interceptions. Was this the ugliest football game you can remember in the past decade? Yeah, why are we playing on three days rest at altitude is my question. Why? Why, why are we not getting longer breaks before we're playing at altitude? I get where it's Jeff Bezos was calling, blew it. It's a $20 billion in revenue. There are ways to just schedule it appropriately. I'm not saying that. All the Thursday nighters are going to be good. But we also have two teams that played in London a week ago. We're not giving them a bye. What are we doing? There used to be This used to be built in, and we're just going back to the old way where they don't get as much rest? It makes no sense. The one highlight, Alec Pierce. He looked pretty good coming back off of injury. Eight for 81. I'll take it. That's the lone highlight. And then we have good field goal kickers, but we also have field goals blocked. It was ugly, as ugly as it can be. Let's move on. Alec Pierce over his receiving yards prop of 34 and a half. He is a bright spot to look forward to in the prop market for Indianapolis if there is a bright spot for the league's worst scoring offense. We put that to the side. Now it's about projecting the future, having some fun the rest of this football Friday, live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid. Blew it this weekend in Cleveland on a Sunday. It is two playoff hopefuls. In the Bolts and the Browns. Right now, a spread of just two and a half points in favor of Los Angeles on the road in front of the dog pound. That spread would indicate to me, Blewett, this is going to be a tight football game. How competitive do you expect it to be? How about Browns outright? Let's go. Mm. Browns bouncing back off of the loss to the Falcons. I think the Chargers are obviously a really difficult team to bet on. They continue to be banged up, and they, they, do, they get the job done going on the road against the Texans, but the Texans obviously are not impressing anyone. They're still winless, and I just need to see the Chargers play a complete game. Tough loss for the Browns, but I do think that they're competitive in this one. I'm going to take the points, but also a portion of that goes money line. I really do think the Browns can win it this this weekend. And if they focus on the ground game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, I think they will have some success. We'll get to that in our triple options a little bit later on. But, Blue, this is an opportunity for us to evaluate some of the teams in the AFC or just around the league off to some surprising starts. We're entering week five. It's the quarter pull or so of this NFL season. Of course, both the Broncos and the Colts have been incredibly disappointing. The Chargers slightly disappointing as well based on the relative expectation that this was the year for L.A. to finally make a run at the divisional title, to be a true contender in the AFC. They have already been hit by the injury bug in a big way, but still a a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road this Sunday in Cleveland. One of the more surprising teams blew it in the AFC was the last remaining undefeated team in the AFC, 
the Miami Dolphins, who were undefeated entering last Thursday night's game before falling to Cincinnati. Of course, we know that Tua Tungabailoa has already been ruled out for this Week 5 contest on the road in New York against Zach Wilson and the Jets. The Dolphins are just a three-point favorite, though, Blewett. How do you evaluate Miami now that it's Teddy Bridgewater getting the start versus New York on Sunday? I think this is a tough one, but I don't think it I don't think it changes the offense that much. I still would rather have a healthy Tua in there, but I think the style of this offense is built around its weapons and not necessarily the elite skill of a quarterback. Obviously, there's a lot of people that argue that neither one, including Tua, has elite skill, but that's not what I'm here to argue. The yeah. the Dolphins are effective because they're getting the ball into the hands of guys with speed in space. Hill, Waddle, Mostert, even Gasicki. And I, I do think they're doing it well. I'm struggling with this game a little bit because I do think the Jets are live and I think perhaps they can capitalize on the momentum of the fourth quarter that they had in Pittsburgh and now they have Zach back and they have weapons of their own. But I just think ultimately the, the Dolphins are the better team. There's a lot of divisional home dogs this week, and that is a, a tough thing to bet against. But I'll just say I think the Dolphins really are the better team. Jets are live, but I like the Dolphins right. a little bit better here. We have to remember that even though the Jets are 2-2, two and two, mm-hmm. they had a win that no other NFL team has accomplished in 21 years when they beat the Browns. We all know what right. happened there. And then they had a 10-point come-from-behind victory in the fourth quarter against Pittsburgh, and that just never happens. It took a rookie quarterback on the other side throwing a couple of crucial interceptions before a Hail Mary got intercepted that went their way. And by the way, I'm not blaming Pickett. I think the first one is clearly on the receiver. The second one could go either way. But uh, great fourth quarter by them. But they they haven't played complete games. There's signs there for the Jets, but it's not complete. There's more signs of the Dolphins being a good team than the Jets being consistently competitive. I do think there's a bunch of wins on the Jets' schedule, though. The Jets have been an underdog in all four games this year. Will be an underdog, most likely, by the time we kick on Sunday afternoon in MetLife. They've won two of those four games outright, but neither of them coming at home. They have not covered as an underdog at home either so far this season. We'll talk about that game a little bit later on as well. But Blue, it again, evaluating the AFC with some interesting starts to this 2022 season. The Dolphins still, even without Tua for we don't know necessarily how long, a minus 320 favorite to get into the postseason. Baltimore minus 230. The Chargers still minus 126. And the Bengals now in minus money once again. Would you say that all four of these teams are playoff teams in your mind this season? Well, three of those I had in the playoffs going into the year. Uh, well, excuse me. No, I had I had all four of these teams in the playoffs. Yeah. I feel the worst about the Chargers right now. I just think there's too yep. many injuries, and Brandon Staley has has starting to prove that maybe he can't coach <laughs> at all. In game management has been a real challenge for him. And I just have a lot of concerns with the number of injuries they have. They're still a very talented team. I think they're all live, but the Chargers are the ones I feel the worst about, despite the fact that uh, the Bengals have worse odds at the moment. 
And you see the Ravens at a minus 230 favorite to make the postseason. The Bengals, the reigning AFC champs, still favored right now slightly to get into the playoffs as well. They will face off against one another on Sunday night in Baltimore. The Ravens right now a three and a half point favorite. And in the division, the Ravens a slight odds on favorite as well. Minus 105. The Bengals, though, the second best price at plus 200. All right, Mike Blewett is still here for a second consecutive segment coming up where we look at the largest spreads for Sunday's slate. NFL week number five. Are there too many points on the board? We'll discuss next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on a Football Friday live on the morning after on SportsGrid. Some very large spreads for week number five of this NFL Sunday slate. Mike Blewett knows one of them very well because over his right shoulder in his home studio is a terrible towel that they will fly in a couple of weeks at Acrisure Stadium and certainly was flying Mike Blewett last Sunday when Kenny Pickett entered the game making his NFL debut in the regular season in the second half against the Jets. Yes, we know what happened as a result of the game. But now, officially, Kenny Pickett will make his first NFL start on the road in Buffalo against the AFC title favorites, the Super Bowl favorites, and as a 14-point underdog. Blewett, first, how do you evaluate this spot for Kenny Pickett making his first career NFL start? So... Since the NFL merger, the Steelers have not been underdogs by 14 or more points. The only game that approached this was actually Super Bowl 30. They were 13 and a half point dogs. They covered that. Steelers had an opportunity to win that game against Dallas, but they were two hmm. touchdown, nearly two touchdown underdogs. So Super Bowl. this is a rare spot, and it is a very difficult spot for a rookie quarterback to show up in. The Bills play a very vanilla defense. They're not going to let you beat them deep. So explosive plays to Claypool or anybody else are off the table. They're trying to keep everything in front of you, limit you. And I think it's going to be a lot of short, quick passes. Fryermuth, Johnson, I actually think you could see a high rate, a high completion percentage and a a high number of completions, but mm. with the injuries that the Steelers are dealing with, I think it's a really tough deal for him. The offensive line is an issue altogether, and the Bills getting the amount of pressure that they do by only sending four people is impressive. But uh, I just, there was no, not going to be an easy way in the first half of the season to get Kenny Pickett into the lineup. It's going to get a lot worse from here. They've got Tampa. They've got Philly on the schedule after this. Mm-hmm. So it's put up or shut up time. It ain't, it ain't always going to be easy in the NFL, and I think he's going to have to learn it the hard way. The Steelers, I will just say in general, Ben, do play well in these spots when they're underdogs, and they can hang tight. They beat the Bills there last year. But I don't know about this one. I just think the Steelers have too yeah. many injuries. Watt is obviously out. Minka remains banged up. 
I just think it's going to be a lot of let's keep him safe. Let's try to protect him. Let's get the ball out quick. He was he was getting rid of the ball at two and a half seconds per drop back last week. That's lightning quick, and I think they'll continue to do it that way. As you can see, 10 of 13 for 120. Uh, he had a couple of rushing touchdowns. The three picks aren't great, but I, I really don't blame two of them on him at all. I think Claypool's got to come down with the one, and the other one was a Hail Mary. The one to Fryermuth did hit off of Fryermuth's hands, but you can't call it a good throw when you fire one three feet over somebody's head. Throws a catchable ball. All balls that Kenny Pickett threw last week were caught. Ten by his team, three by the other team in the New York Jets. So at least none of them hit the ground. Speaking of that high completion percentage, two rushing scores. And as you saw there, eight to one to an offensive rookie of the year, the fifth best number right now. We will see how that number begins to change as Kenny Pickett, now the starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But just to echo what Blewett said about that two touchdown spread, 14 points in favor of Buffalo. How infrequent that is for the Steelers and really across the National Football League, a 14-point spread at the NFL level as I bring everything back to college football is the number we have for Georgia this week taking on Auburn in a rivalry game. That's 29 and a half. That's the comparison there at this level between even the best in college football. It is a large, large number and should be an indication out of what the odds expect for Kenny Pickett's first start in the National Football League against the Buffalo Bills. Double digits elsewhere, though, blew it around the Sunday slate, including for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. A 10-point favorite in a divisional matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. Here's one thing about the Falcons. They're the only team left in the National Football League that has covered every game this year. A perfect 4-0 against the spread, booked as an underdog in every one. Blew it after last Sunday night in Tampa Bay for the Bucs against the Chiefs. What is your sense of where Tom Brady and the Buccaneers now are entering week number five? Hope my guy Brady is okay mentally, going through a lot, going through a lot of stuff as I change his verbiage from a few weeks ago. I get it. But I, I, I'm ne- I've never been worried about the Bucs offense long term. The Chiefs put it on him last week and... Mm-hmm. I think everybody's going to have situations during an NFL season where that happens. Brady comes out of a long history in New England of utilizing September, early October as an extension of the preseason. They start to get their legs under them. They start to get guys healthier. These changes to the offensive line might start to smooth out a little bit, although I don't think it's ever going to be back to where it was a year ago. Obviously, the personnel losses are too great, but... I think over time, the offense will start to get better as, as it gets healthier. I'm not really concerned about the Bucks long term. But these 10-point divisional games, they really do make you pause before you would ever yep. click on it. We have a lot of divisional games this week. We have home underdogs, divisional home underdogs, divisional opponents that are 10-point underdogs. That's a tough yeah. thing to bet into, especially for this reason. The Falcons have been competitive. He said they've covered every game. And the offense, engineered by Arthur Smith, has been creative. Now, they're without Cordero Patterson, and people are banging on the Falcons for not getting Kyle Pitts the ball. But they've been creative in other ways. I do give them credit for being able to score points, and you just wonder if they can score enough to get you there. Like, the the total is 46.5. 
you're not going to bet yeah. that under with the Bucks covering. So where do we get? Are we getting a bunch of points? I think we are. So I think we're going over. And then is it over plus a 10-point spread? It's just a lot to ask for. I don't love playing the spread in this game at all. I'd rather play the total. I think this one goes over. There's a lot of uncertainty right now in the NFC. The Bucs were the preseason favorites. They have moved back to the third best price. As we look at a regular season market, to be that top overall seed in the conference this year, the Eagles are a relatively short favorite, plus 115. They are the favorites to win the NFC as it stands and the only remaining unbeaten team in the National Football League. With that feeling of uncertainty, Blewett, around the NFC where a lot feels up in the air how do you think the rest of the regular season plays out on this side of the league I don't think that the Eagles are going to be an underdog once the rest of the year Mm. there's only two spots where it could happen they play the Packers Sunday November 27th but if you look at the Eagles schedule before then might only have one loss if they have any so they're not going to be and they're at home so they're not going to be underdog if they're undefeated even as good as the Packers could be by that point They play Dallas on Christmas Eve. Maybe if Dallas has a really good season and they're keeping it tight, maybe that one is fairly close. But the Eagles really are anticipated to win a lot of games, perhaps the most games in the league this year. I think those odds are reflective of what the Eagles can do in the regular season. But as Mm. far as success in the playoffs, that's too heavy of a favorite for my liking because I think – the Packers, Bucks, Niners are all teams that could take them out. It's a really good point. And that will be the next question about Philadelphia. Unproven, at least to this point, in postseason play with Jalen Hurts as the quarterback and the head coach and Nick Sirianni. The Eagles' updated win total, by the way, is 12 and a half, and the over is juiced at minus 165. It is a big reason the Birds are a heavy odds on favorite to win the NFC East, but the Cowboys are three and one. The Giants are three and one. The Cowboys, a five and a half point underdog in LA this weekend and blew it. Another London game for those New York Giants. A three and one football team, but an eight point favorite across the pond against Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay Packers. Is that too many points in favor of Green Bay in this weird London situation? Only because I think the Giants, I think this is an under game. It's tough for me to to lay eight points when I think it's going to be an under game. Yep. I do think they could thread the needle here and the Packers can win this game, say 27 to 10. I think it really could look something like that. And with the Packers' pace of play being 31st in the league, they've run the most, the least plays of any offensive league, only 55 plays per game. And they're 31st in the league in pace of play. So they're not really pushing the ball at all. This Dylan Jones one-two punch is real. And it is going to win them a lot of games this year. But you're not necessarily going to see them put up 30 consistently. I think they're going to grind teams into the ground and and utilize their defense uh, to win some games. So I don't love laying the points. I have some different angles I want to take here. But I do think this is an under game. Danny Dimes is expected to play for New York on Sunday in London. He injured his ankle last week, but they expect him to get the start against Green Bay. Speaking of London, now back stateside, the Minnesota Vikings. Another lofty spread for a divisional game. Seven and a half points in favor of the Vikes at home against the Bears with a total of 43 and a half. Minnesota, 
has not covered in three straight games. As Blewett always advises, and for good reason, laying more than a touchdown in a divisional game is a very difficult spot to bet into. So we will find those best spots on the board for you as we see it. Our favorite side, total and prop for week five of the NFL weekend. We run the triple option up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We believe in establishing the run here on the morning after live on a football Friday. If only Nathaniel Hackett felt the same way I kid last night is over Thursday night football is done we get you ready for the Sunday slate in the National Football League week number five by we I mean myself Ben Stevens and Mike Blewett one of the hosts of pro football today each and every Sunday live right here on the grid starting at 10 a.m. Eastern time and on this football Friday Blewett we build our triple option our favorite side total and prop for the weekend to come in the NFL some different angles maybe to approaching the board but all from that parameters of favorite side total and prop so please begin you are our guest doing double duty by the way this morning on sports grid he was filling in on the early line as well Mike Blewett what is your favorite side for week number five of the NFL let's try to end my Friday exposure on the grid with a bang so uh, I think the Niners and Panthers are headed in the opposite direction. I like the way that the Niners were able to take care of the Rams. And it wasn't pretty at, at times, and it was a game in the fourth quarter, but I like the way that the Niners put them away. And I, I think the Panthers are really struggling right now. Baker, this is going to be a tough, this is just a tough matchup for Baker. He's getting balls batted down at a ridiculous rate, and playing this team with that kind of issue is not the team that you want to face. I get that they're going on the road, and there's six and a half points that are being laid here. So let's cut it down to the first half. I think the Niners can get off to a pretty good start here, control the action. I'll lay three and a half with the Niners in the first half. I do think ultimately, Ben, that this is a comfortable game. You can bet the – in fact, in the early line earlier this morning, we do a little bit of something different, and I said alternate spread Niners – nine and a half that's plus 128 so that's another angle Mm. you can go i do think that this is a fairly easy win for the niners but uh my safest play here is niners minus three and a half in the first half surprisingly blew it the carolina panthers have been booked as a slight favorite in three of their four games this year one in three against the spread also going under in three of their four games the Niners under in all four but that total I believe at last check is just 38 in a hook a very very low number here is my favorite and potentially most damning stat for Matt Rule his Panthers team is now just one in 26 in his tenure in Charlotte when the opposing team scores 17 points, not 27 points, not 30 plus, 17 points. And they've lost 24 straight in that scenario. So if San Francisco gets to 17, they are going to potentially even cover a six and a half point spread. They might get to 17 in the first half to make Mike Blewett's life very, very easy. Blewett, my favorite side is a game we discussed earlier. The Miami Dolphins laying just a field goal now in New York 
against the Jets. I'll start with New York. They've been a pesky team this year. Booked as a dog in all four. They've won two of those games outright, but both of those games on the road. The Jets have not covered as an underdog at home this season. And the Dolphins, who we all felt great about just last week, just a three-point favorite in this scenario. And I'm not going to demean to a tongue of Iloa, and we wish him a speedy recovery, and hopefully he can get back for the Dolphins very soon because I believe he is a better option at quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater. With that being said, how many points is Tua Tungavailoa worth in the ratings of the sportsbook? A point? A point and a half? If that? This is not like Aaron Rodgers not being there for the Packers or Patrick Mahomes for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think you're getting a good discounted number on the Dolphins on that flat key number of three and now with a quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater, who is something like 42-20-1 against the number in his career as an NFL starter. And the only game the Dolphins have been booked as a favorite this year was week number one against the Pats, and they covered by 10 points. So yes, I think Miami can go into New York, Blewett, and get a cover only laying three against Gang Green. Uh, don't hate it. I follow a lot of your logic there. I think the Jets are getting a nice little bump because of the come-from-behind win, and Miami's getting a bump in the wrong direction because of the injury. But I, I think I think this could be a competitive game, but I, I like the Dolphins mm -hmm. as well. My total, I was conflicted on the total, but they both, my two favorite bets resided in the same game because I've already bet them both. The Bears under 17 and a half points is a play that I like, but the one that I use for this segment is the Vikings over 13 and a half in the first half. Their offense mm. is starting to come along. We've got a healthy Dalvin Cook. We've got Justin Jefferson uh, has another explosive game last week. So I, I think the Vikings are going to get off to a really good start here. I don't – there's a bunch of teams, Ben, where we know they're, they're not particularly good the Giants, yep. the Bears, and others that have scraped off a couple of wins. But I think the Bears are what they thought we were, and I, I think they're going to struggle to score points. So I do like them under, but for this segment, I'm going to take the Vikings over 13.5. I think they get a couple of touchdowns and cruise to victory against Chicago. The Bears' passing offense is averaging less than 100 yards per game. This is not Army. This is not Navy. This is not Air Force. This is not a service academy running the triple option. The Bears offense, passing offense, is averaging less than 100 yards per game. Justin Fields put up a buck 70 last week when he had the lowest recorded passing yards prop in the history of the FanDuel Sportsbook booked at 148.5. But that's not good. And the Bears are the only team in the National Football League that run the ball more than 60% of the time on their plays. There's not a lot of areas for the Bears to get up to 17 points by those metrics and I love the look in the first half I also go with a first half team total but to the under of the Arizona Cardinals it's a 10 they're playing the Philadelphia Eagles it is even money to the under at plus 100 as the odds would say it's not the most likely outcome and frankly I don't love this number but at least it allows the possibility of a clean push at that number of 10 the Arizona Cardinals are the worst first half scoring offense in the National Football League the Arizona Cardinals are averaging just four points per game in the opening two quarters so far in their first four weeks. And this is for a team that averages 22 points per game throughout all 
of the football that they play. They're the second best second half scoring offense, averaging close to 17 points per game, but just four points per game on average in the first half. They have not gone over this number of 10 in any of their four games, just seven week number one, shut out week number two, six week number three, and only three last week even against the Carolina Panthers. Now, Philly has a top 10 defense from a scoring defensive unit, top 10 as well in their first half scoring defensive margin. And Philly is the best first half scoring offense in the National Football League, averaging 23 points per game. I hit the over on Philly's team total in the first half last week against Jacksonville, which was given out here on the triple option. I didn't want to go Philly in the first half, although that's another area to do this because I like the side of Miami slightly better, but blew it under 10 for Arizona in the first half because until proven otherwise, it's the very strong trend right now in the National Football League. Do you know how many points the Arizona Cardinals have scored in the first quarter this season? That would be a round think number of zero. That's right. They have not scored in the first quarter yet. So I'm with you. I, I get I get why that's your angle. I don't know why they're off to such bad starts considering the explosive quarterback that they have, but uh, they are relying on hero ball all the way with Kyler. It's got to get better uh, for Cliff, but people are saying he's on the hot seat. I don't see how he can be when he just signed the extension, the GM signed the extension, and the GM appears to be best friends with the owner. I think everybody's pretty comfortable there. I don't think that's an actual hot seat situation. Uh, Obviously, we're waiting for props to come out. But one angle I'm going to take with Stephon Diggs, just because Minka's banged up, Minka Fitzpatrick is banged up, and we're not sure if he's going to ring the bell yet, is longest reception for Stephon Diggs. Mm. I think there's an opportunity for an explosive play there for Diggs with the Steelers down a few guys offensively. And you could take his receptions prop, and you could take his yardage prop, but what if this is a blowout early? and they're just grinding it out. I think you take advantage of an explosive play early with digs. It should be somewhere in the mid-20s, this play. Yep. But I think a catch and run for Stephon Diggs against a, a beat-up secondary of the Steelers who aren't generating anywhere near the pass rush that they did. The Steelers have had uh, three total sacks since they lost T.J. Watt in week one. They put up a zero, a two, and then a one. So... They're not generating the pass rush that they do without T.J. Watt. And Cam Hayward is banged up as well. I just think Josh Allen is going to be able to pick and choose. And this feels like a game where the Bills could be up three touchdowns in the first 20 minutes. And maybe the Steelers come back and cover and pick it. Uh, It looks good through the adversity, but it just feels like it can get up really early. Most longest receptions props by the time they are posted, even for the best wide receivers in the National Football League, like Stephon Diggs, generally cap out at 24 and a half. Stephon Diggs has gone over that number of 24 and a half in three of the four games this year. The only time under was last week when his longest reception was 23 yards, and that was in a monsoon in Baltimore where it was very difficult to throw the football so I love that look blue it's been an area I've been looking more and more at for the best wide receivers in the NFL and even quarterbacks Russell Wilson somehow went over his longest pass last night of 35 and a half oddly enough Blewett, some of the props that were already available in the Browns and Chargers game Nick Chubb his rushing yards prop is out it's 92 and a half I love the over because Nick Chubb has ran for over 100 yards 
in three of the four games. The only time he went under this number, 87 week number two against the Jets, and he had three rushing scores. He is averaging nearly 115 yards per ground per game on the ground. He's the second leading rusher in the National Football League, only trailing Saquon Barkley at this moment. And in all three of the four overs of this number of 92 and a half, he has ran for at least a buck 13 to run for 110 or more yards this week is plus 154 against the Chargers and the Chargers are allowing 110 yards per game on average to their opponents they gave up 131 last week to the rookie in Damian Pierce on only 14 carries and James Robinson Jr. ran for over the century mark two weeks ago against the Bolts as well LA was the third worst rushing defense in the National Football League last year. And Blewett, one final thing here, because I'm going to keep betting it as long as they keep giving it to me. Kareem Hunt, the sidekick. I don't want to call him a sidekick. That wasn't nice. The duo in the backfield for Cleveland of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Well, Kareem Hunt has got double-digit carries in every game this year. Every game that he has got double-digit carries, he has had at least 46 yards that also happened in the five times he got double digit carries last year in an injury riddled 2021 season and his rushing yards prop continues to stay at 41 and a half and 42 and a half keep taking the over because the volume is there as well that's my approach blew it for the browns and the bolts on sunday love it so nick chubb grinding it out could get me a w since i'm taking the browns money line and taking a couple of points on the Browns. So good stuff. I, we try to take different angles here. It's not always just about finding the line and the total and betting it that way. We're trying to find some different stuff here for you to bet into and have fun with it. And indeed, because the edges in the NFL are very difficult to come by. That's why we run the triple option to go all around the board. Mike Blewett, as always, we appreciate your time here on this football Friday. One of the hosts of pro football today each and every Sunday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern time. More from the morning app as we round out the opening hour up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rounding out our opening hour here on a football Friday live on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, all across the Spiz Grizz network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this football Friday. Football after last night might be a little bit difficult for you to muster up that excitement heading into the weekend, but we will bring it in hour number two because on this football Friday, here in the heart of New York City, it's Big Ten country nebraska and rutgers tonight in piscataway new jersey so some college football to be that palate cleanser getting you ready for a saturday slate and a sunday be- uh, born anew in the national football league as well but as we round out this opening hour one last small quick discussion about what we saw last night between two teams that have been very disappointing to start off this 2022 campaign the colts who got a win Yay. And the Broncos as well. Who's going to be worse by the time we get to the end of the year? That's what we asked you in Fade the Public. Who will have the worst record when all is said and done at the end of this season? Will it be Indianapolis or will it be the Denver Broncos? As of right now, the public slightly 
going with the Broncos. I thought there would be more of an overreaction to Denver and the lack of what they were able to do last night and pretty much all season long. 0-3 now, by the way, against the spread when booked as a favorite. But 53% of the public think it will be the Broncos. 47% of the public think it will be the Colts. So a pretty even split here. I'm going to check the FanDuel Sportsbook to see if we have updated win totals for the Broncos or the Colts. No, we do not. Seven and a half was the number for Indianapolis entering last night. The over had the juice. Nine and a half was the number for Denver. The under, a heavy bit of juice. Whew, tough times in the Mile High City. You paid Russell Wilson $245 million for two interceptions last night. Anyway, we joke. Our number two of the morning after on this Football Friday is up next following a Sports Grid News update from Alex Fasano. 